Hello, I'm Hannah. And I'm Allie. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to the Rainy Day Smut Brigade, the podcast where we dissect spicy books and take out all the juicy parts and talk about the plot too. Before we get into anything, we want to remind you that this podcast is for mature audiences only and we do recommend you double check that your headphones are indeed connected to your listening device. So, on our Instagram a couple weeks ago, we put a little poll out about what main character from your childhood, be it a Disney movie or some other animated movie, would you do? What's the one with the highest bangability? And our top answers were Aladdin and the Beast. Ooh. Heck yes. Mm, Aladdin wouldn't be for me, personally. You know? No. Okay. I've, t- I've told you this before, Ashley, but Aladdin is short for me. Well, my husband is only two inches taller than me. We are both offended. Oh, I, <laughs> I think it fits you both perfectly. Thank you. And he's short, but that's not it. He's also whiny to me. Oh, I just wow. want Jasmine to love me. I'm going to lie about everything. You are about to get hurt. <laughs> I have been in love with that man since I was two years old. I would make people save him a seat at the table. Well, at least oh. your person survived. Mine died a quarter of the way into the movie. Oh, and Which who one was that? that? Cocoam from Pocahontas. <laughs> Cocoam. Cocoam could get that it. Was that, that was a man. That is your man. Fuck John Smith. Oh, fuck him. Listen, the and beast. is white colonizing ways. <laughs> tell you. The beast will 100% be one, number one for me. I would take that man in beast or human form. I would only do beast form. I would only Ooh. do Adam form. Oh, Adam? No. I love him when he turns around. <laughs> oh, when he turns around, I'm like, <laughs> why? They're ugly. <laughs> I love the transformation scene. It's my favorite no. scene. He's just so big and muscly and growly. And then he's Adam and he's like, I just, there's I think nothing the, remarkable. I don't like the fur. Oh, you don't? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I do. For, I there's I something about it in I that one sense. It. In that one Is sense. that bestiality? I feel like it would get all in my mouth. I'm not trying yes. to kiss it. You're going to get a hairball? You're going to get a hairball like Angela from The Office. You're going to be... <laughs> we're going to trigger people who have problems with gagging. You know what? If we were going to play Fuck, Mary Kill, I would kill Aladdin. <gasps> just for you, I'm Ashley. Sure. So that I could fuck Jasmine. And I oh, would kill Jasmine so I could fuck Aladdin. Jasmine is way Jasmine's better than whiny, tiny, ugly Aladdin. I know she's better in general, but I cannot help what I can't. He's your first love. I was born this way. <laughs> I, he You're is, on the right track. I'm on the right track. <laughs> Lady Gaga supports me. Before we jump into our book this week, we want to play a little game called Could They Find the Clit? And for this, we're going to do a quick run through of some popular main characters from our childhood fairy tales and see who we think would be able to give us the best ride. Hannah, give us our options. All right. I'm <laughs> well, we know what we On know. On a magic what, carpet. On <laughs> a magic carpet. We know what Ashley thinks about Aladdin. But what do y'all think about Prince Charming from Cinderella? 
Absolutely. No. That man could not find the clit if he was given explicit instructions. <laughs> like a play-by-play Like picture, a play-by-play with picture pictures detail. and a diagram. All right, what about Captain Eric from The Little Mermaid? Is he captain or prince? Prince, captain, captain? It says like prince slash captain. I, and think, it actually, I think that indecisiveness right there on his part shows me he wouldn't be able to find the clip. I feel like he would put in effort. All right. I know my answer for the beast. Yes. Oh, I think the beast could do it just because he's naturally a growly big. He's a big guy. But would he take direction? I think mm. he's into it. I think he's a pleaser. He, that's what I was about to say. I think he's a pleaser. He mm-hmm. would He would want Belle to feel You good. know, I think before Belle, he didn't care about finding the clit but he just gave girls orgasms because he just had the right equipment but when he found bell he, he put her did first. he put her first we talking about the live movie version where he's mm-hmm. an adult mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh absolutely he's a mm-hmm. he's a douche yeah he was punished i think he was a womanizer and he didn't care about those girls and their feelings i can he agree just with that i think he was an anybody anizer i'm i'm not hating on that could see that and i'm not mad at it and get bell out of there and put me between the beast and another guy <laughs> i'd be fine with that too all right this one's for you Allie. shang oh shang from muan mm-hmm. shang lee that man knows where it is every single time every time right to it he knows with military precision <laughs> military precision and he knows exactly what to do to mm-hmm. it too yeah Exactly. He knows from start to finish. He has. He knows. He gets that sexual foreplay. And he can do it with anybody. Remember, he was going for Mulan before he even found out that she was a girl. I think he was. Mm -hmm. I think he was into Yeah, I think he was a little disappointed when Ping turned out to be a girl. I think he had to readjust. He would have done either or. I feel like he would have. I like him. All right. Next one is Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's mm-hmm. nature boy. He knows mm-hmm. he exactly. Knows. He's seen a, a lot of sex in his day. And the last one that is leading us into our book is Peter Pan. Grown Peter Pan. Grown Peter Pan. Not kid Peter Pan. Mm. Not the Peter Pan from that movie when I was 12 that I was obsessed with. Oh, God. I oh, the love li- that The live movie. action one. The live action oh, I thought that I kid was, was so ugly. I thought he was so high. I was obsessed. So, but I Jason Isaacs, so. though. As Captain Hook. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Daddy energy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I He's was got like, the eyes. Yeah. Throw me over the ship. Yeah. I, and you guys will learn in this podcast, I am all for some Captain Hook sexual encounters. All right. We need to have a discussion about the term reverse harem. We used it last week on our episode for It Happened One Summer. We are going to try our best not to use that term anymore. We are going to try to use the term why choose? Because we have discovered there is a little bit of conflicting thoughts regarding the term RH. And we want to respect everyone out there who may feel like the term harem itself is being misused, misconstrued. We did a little digging. A harem is actually a safe place in Middle Eastern cultures, not just for women. It's been hypersexualized by white colonizers, I do believe, from our little research I did, because they weren't allowed in there. So they hypersexualized it. But it's a safe place for women, children, female servants, even young boys. Mm-hmm. What we would call RH over here is one woman 
So typically it is one woman with at least three other partners for it to fall into the why choose category. Because other than that, it's just like a throuple where three people. This started as a Japanese thing from anime, manga. And it, the, using the term reverse harem the started term, with the manga. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because harem, that word has been around for yeah. longer than that. A very long time. Mm-hmm. And we took it over here and applied it to our romance mm-hmm. novels. So we think that why choose will be respectful. It's actually more accurate because these books are actually more like reverse polygamy. Mm-hmm. If you think of a polygamous relationship, typically those are one man you might as watch Sister Wives, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But this would be more like one woman with a mm-hmm. bunch of husbands. Yeah. Or- <clears throat> Feel free to correct us. Yeah. You can send us an email. We have our email linked in the show notes. We would love to hear from you, but please keep it nice. <laughs> but we'd yeah. love to learn. Yeah. We are not opposed to admitting when we're wrong or make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we want it to feel like we're having a discussion with you guys while we're having a discussion with each other, too. Yes. Before we jump into the book, I want to tell you a few things that I learned about the one and only Miss St. Crow. I will admit there is not a lot of information about her personal life online, so I think I will respect that aspect and just stick to the stories. In terms of books, it seems that she has quite a few spicy series available, and one of them is about a vampire next door, which I will definitely be downloading. From looking through her content, it seems that Miss St. Crow has been writing since she was a young child, but decided to make this an official thing by writing short stories on Kindle Vela as a self-published author just in the last few years. And well, those little stories became very popular. Outside of the Vicious Lost Boys series, which we are doing the first book of tonight, she also has The Hot Vampire Next Door, Wrath and Rain Trilogy, and The Dark Vampire Curse. All right, before we get into the book, why don't we take a little break? Okay, so we're back from our break. Our story opens up with Winnie Darling, who is currently in the back seat of a car and having very bad sex with a douchebag named Andrew. He can't find the clip. Mm-mm. He could not find the clip. He pretty much seems like the embodiment of most guys in high school. <laughs> but they fuck, she fakes it, and then he drives her home. It's now that we find out that it's her 18th birthday and that she is awaiting the taking. This is something that has occurred on the 18th birthday for every darling woman that has come before her. Peter Pan will come and take her to Neverland, but she isn't completely sold on this idea, in part due to the fact that her mother, who has told her these tales, is a diagnosed schizophrenic, and she believes this is just part of her mother's diagnosis. But oh, how wrong she is. That night, after we meet said mother, and Winnie enjoys a wonderful 18th birthday dinner consisting of a PB&J, we learn that they are and have been on the run for years and are currently living in their 19th house, which barely has any furniture. Sad. Very sad. It's so sad. (laughs) Winnie decides to engage her frantic mother and ask her what is to come. But she can't say much, and soon enough, mom falls asleep and Winnie starts to hear noises throughout the house. And none other than the one and only Peter Pan shows up to take her. We aren't really sure why exactly this is happening, but Winnie comes across as a take-no-shit kind of girl. And she knows she can't fight this, so she goes willingly. I would have too, mm-hmm. honestly. You, you've heard his voice in the audiobook, right? Yeah, he I looked say up the guy. two words to me and I'd be like, take yeah. me wherever you need. Wherever you want. Take wherever. me, Pan. 
Sight unseen. Love is blind. Netflix. <laughs> I'm going. If he was on Love is Blind, I'd be like, take him. I don't care what he's. Well, I do have my limits, but I was say. <laughs> we know he's toxic. A li- we like a little bit of that. At this point in the book, it's I think her the relationship that she has with her mom is interesting because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if I felt they had a loving relationship, even though her mom was crazy. I couldn't tell how does Winnie feel about her mom. I think it's it, Winnie felt more like she was the mom. Right. Like yeah. she mm-hmm. yeah. didn't feel like she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Or she had to be the parent. Right. You yeah. know? She was like a caregiver. Yeah. But I, at that point, I couldn't tell, does Winnie's mom even really love her? Because like, there's obvious like abuse and neglect happening. And at that point, we don't really know what Winnie's mom right. has been yeah. through. To get to that point. Right. So it's a lot yeah. of confusion. One thing I really like about this book is that we get multiple points of view. And they're not too overwhelming. This is a novella, so it's not super long. We enter into the thoughts of Peter Pan next. And we find out that he is losing his magic. From his descriptions of the land, we know that Neverland is dying. And he is pissed. That is pretty much his personality at this point. Pissed, mad, angry, whatever synonym you want to use. So they arrive at the treehouse. And now we get to meet the three other main characters. Vane, who has the death shadow and is, for lack of a better word, hot. And then we find the twins, Castian, or Cass for short, and Sebastian, or Bash for short. And Pan quickly reminds these three boys, after he takes Winnie into the room and chains her to the bed, that we don't fuck her. Don't we don't fuck the darlings. the darlings. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't fuck the darlings. <laughs> I wonder. Who knows? Who knows? It's like the one requirement for our podcast. The one rule <laughs> is that they have to fuck. So, guys, what do you think? Pull out now. Will <laughs> they fuck Winnie? <laughs> Hopefully, you've read the book so you know and you understand who we are. So, you <laughs> surprise, they all go off and just fuck Captain Hook. All of them. I would, I would not, read it. I, I would, would read, read it. it. I would not be mad about that. I would love <laughs> they that. They leave Winnie in the bed and just go fuck Captain Hook. I would 100% just for Allie. Winnie. <laughs> Who needs the darling? All right. So we learned pretty quickly that Cass and Bash are considered the good guys of this foursome. And Vane and Pan are a little bit more devilish. And as Peter Pan says in one of his lines, Vane only wants to make the darlings cry. So Winnie wakes up the first that first morning and she finds that she's chained to a wall. And her first thought is, well, isn't this kinky? Of course it is. And I love where this girl's head is going. We find out that she is with the two twins, Bash and Cass, and she remarks about their long hair, their blood moon color of their skin. And then the tattoos that run all over their bare chest because none of these boys ever wear shirts. The tattoos she describes is very symmetrical and a labyrinth across their bodies. And she also hints that this place that she is tied up in is actually a very beautiful location and that there's an ocean not far away. But then the dark one walks in who is none other than Daddy Vane. Daddy, give me a panic attack, Daddy. <laughs> So and he, he does. He does. He does. <laughs> then he describes him as sinister with three jagged scars across his face, one bright eye of violet and one of pure black. Can I just say, I love, the, I love a scarred face. Mm, me too. Lucian. I was just about to say that. Phantom of the Opera. Mm. 
You give me the phantom. Mm. I will take Sing that. to me, daddy. Sing to me, With my that daddy. Scarred face. Yes. Is it that like torture past? Like they mm-hmm. must have gone through <clears> something <throat> in the past. Like, is that what it, I mean, cause I'm attracted to it as well. There's something about the imperfection of it from an aesthetic. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially one like, like over the eye. Uh-huh. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, we learn that in Vane's presence, something starts to happen to Winnie and she begins to sweat. Her body begins to tremble. A dread coils within her stomach and a sense of fear creeps in. And far too suddenly, it snaps and disappears. Our next point of view comes from Bash, and while he is nowhere near as sinister as others, he does state that while he doesn't like to make the darlings cry as Vane does, he likes to watch them bleed. We learn that Bash is actually really, really horny, and I'm pretty sure they all are. Let's be honest, there are a bunch well, of guys that live on an island. I was going to say, they live on an island, and those people don't have jobs. No. So what do you have to do all day? They other literally than, are like, fucking all day long. All day, all day long. So he fixes Winnie breakfast, and everything Winnie puts to her lips, Bash starts fantasizing about. These men need to get some more ass. <clears throat> it's now that we also get to meet Cherry for the first time. And Cherry is an extremely bubbly woman. She's a human that lives on the island, and she makes a connection with Winnie. She lets her know that she's from the other side of the island, and we get a little bit of information about what the island looks like. It's about 10 miles across, and that there's, like, cities or locations there's like Hook's area and then the other side, the human area, where Peter Pan is, etc. Allie wants to get in Hook's area. Mm-hmm. I would, I I would agree with that. Yes. During this little chat with Cherry, we also find out that she has a crush on Vane. Don't worry, I do as well. And when Peter Pan finally arrives, he and Vane decide to take Winnie out on a little tour. And this is when Vane's shadows finally come to life. He terrifies Winnie, as he did before. But this time he lets it linger, and Winnie runs, which is the one thing they've told her she cannot do, because there's nowhere to go. So Pan chases her, captures her. They have a little back and forth, and he takes her back to the treehouse. And when she wakes up the next morning, she has devised this plan. She starts thinking about Starla, who is the stripper neighbor that she has idolized from her youth. And in truth, I do as well idolize Starla. She is pretty much an amazing bitch. So Starla tells Winnie, younger Winnie, basically, honey, there is no greater force in this world and some tits and a brain. And that is what motivates Winnie. She's going to get off this island. She's going to fuck a lost boy. She's going to fuck a lost boy off of that island. Say, she's going to fuck around and get off the island. She's going to find out. Which I think <laughs> is, at this point, I would be like, can I stay? I mean, bash, Cass, Vane, Pan, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm thinking realistically at that point, I'd be like, how can I get out of here? Because you're not invested into the men yet. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they're kind of mean. They're kind of rude. And they are not letting me do whatever I want to do. I can see that. She devises this plan of fucking a lost boy. And she calls in Cass because she feels like he may be the most easily to manipulate. And she lets him comfort her. And we learn through the conversation that he is Faye, which I was not expecting Winnie teases him, but he is too smart for her, and he removes her hands from his body, and he bursts out of the room before his restraint falters, because let's be honest, this dude, he may not have had a full heart on, but there was definite chub. Mm -hmm. There was a definite chub. Chubby. He had a chubby. He had a chubby. So he bursts out the room with his chubby, but he doesn't get far. He 
heads outside where a bonfire is going on. He finds a girl, which I'm assuming is one of the human girls. He doesn't even care. He just picks the first one. I think it was a redhead that caught his attention and immediately has her suck his stick, which she is fine with because this is like a high-ranking lost boy. So she is all about it. But the whole time he's thinking about Winnie instead. And while Mr. Cass is getting his rocks off, Bash, his twin brother, runs into Winnie's room to confront her and stick up for him. All the while, she was watching, by she, the Oh, way. yeah, she was mm-hmm. watching this. It was doing stuff for her, him fucking that girl's mouth. She, well, he, was, she was probably it. already a little horny because she was trying to get with him. She's always horny. She just has a high sex drive, and I don't hate her for that. This girl needs some Lexapro. <laughs> That'll does. fix it. Well, Bash apparently doesn't have the restraint that Cass does because within a few seconds, Winnie has him hard and practically begging for it. He throws her panties to the side, and he buries himself within her as she bounces atop him. Mm. But sadly, they only get a minute or two of this before someone slowly sulks into the room. Pan walks into the room. My man. And Ashley, what does he say? He's smoking, first off. Mm. He's Which smoking. I don't love. Oh, uh, I do. I, I don't like it. Oh, I like man. it for him. A guy smoking a cigarette in the right way is so sexy. <laughs> I don't want to smell it, but something about the visual. Just looking at of it. Like, and I don't even like Brad Pitt that much, but seeing Brad Pitt smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I could see it. Ooh. I like, could fuck Brad Pitt. He wouldn't need to smoke a cigarette for me. Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Ugh. smoking a cigarette. Mm. Uh. Allie likes it dark. I do. You do. She likes it dark, potentially cancerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, these, these these guys, it won't affect their health. They are, they're but immortal. This <laughs> is true. Anyway, he's smoking, and he blows out some smoke, and he looks at him. He's like, hey, you guys, don't stop on my account. And he's like, go on, fucker. So he's a voyeur. He must be because he sits in this wingback chair, watches them, and they continue. Love it. I do too. I would love to be watched. Like in he, my head. Yeah. Like I don't know in theory how that would yeah. work out, but in, in my head, it's very fun. Yeah. That sounds fun. So after <laughs> Allie, Bash, going, mm, yeah, yeah, you don't, you're not into uh, that. We can discuss know. that next week. Yeah. We can discuss our kinks next yeah, week. That's, yeah, that'd be a good one. <laughs> so after Bash comes, Pam throws him out of the room. But Winnie decides she's not really quite done with this yet. So she takes some time and she teases Pam. And she plays with herself a little bit just to watch him squirm. But what she doesn't know is that he always has the upper hand. He plays with her, too, as he slowly sinks two fingers inside her one by one and then out of nowhere stops just before her release, yanks his hand away and shoves his wet fingers into her mouth with the demand to suck them clean before reminding her he will not fuck a darling. Allie's face. Please, please tell us, Allie, what you think about... Winnie's mm-hmm. sucking her own wetness off of Pam. It just and doesn't and do it for and me. And it's Bash, because Bash came And her. Bash is so calm, yeah, too. That part doesn't bother me. I don't know. Some of the degrading stuff isn't always for me. It doesn't feel sexy. Oh, I like it. I do, too. So the next morning, Winnie wakes up, and she finds Cherry. And during this talk, Cherry also spills some secrets about the island, including the fact that Pan is a king who lost his shadow. We also learn about a convo with Cass and Bash from their point of view. And they're sitting on a hammock, kind of watching the water. 
And they start talking about the fact that they miss their sister Tilly, who is the Fae Queen of the Fae Territory, and is apparently the person who is helping Pan get the information from the Darlings. And this is one of the first times that we we find out that we're trying to get information from the Darlings. The next chapter is the Brownie. I've learned what the Brownie is in this folklore. But we learn that the brownie, who has no name, is apparently working for the fae queen, Tilly. And he tells Tilly that Darling has arrived. So we learn about the brownie and about this sinister plan that Tilly has in place. Winnie and Cass and Bash are still experiencing some pretty heated sexual tension. This time they're in the kitchen cooking again because this is all these people do. They cook, they go to bonfires, and they fuck. And they are making honeysuckle tarts. So they spend the morning pretty much licking each other's fingers, but they're teasing each other. It's all fun and games. And this is actually a cute scene in a way. I thought we were about to lead up to like a nice little thruple. Mm. But then Vane walks in, which at first I was like, oh, I can do this. And he promptly takes the white batter because it has to be labeled as white and rubs it, smears it across Winnie's chin where it drips onto her lap. And he's like, that's better. Mm -hmm. That's that degrading stuff you don't like, right, Allie? Yeah. So I didn't, like, that didn't bother me as long as he licked it off I was going to say, that part didn't bother me as much. I was like, I get the chemistry and I get the tension. Yeah. I like the buildup of that. But what he does in a second. So after he smears it across her chin... He promptly pushes her down against the counter and presses himself into her. Yeah, he grabs her by the back of the neck and he puts her in the island, forcing her face into the stone. He presses against her ass and I have Hannah's book in my hand right now. (laughs) And she has underlined this part. He says, do you want to know what I do to pretty little girls like you? And Hannah wrote in red pen, damn. Damn. We will learn next week all about my kinks, and let's just say that's that leads into them, okay? <laughs> she in red ink. Look at it. And it was spelled with a Y. She went and found a red marker. <laughs> like, the highlight is in yellow. The damn is in red. And I, don't, I didn't even spell it D-A-M-N. Did I? Have no, it's D-A-Y-U-M. Like, damn. Damn. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Hannah liked that. I did like, let me tell you something, Vane. I like Vane. I like mm-hmm. him a lot. But if she's trying to arch her, she's trying to get into it. I was like, going to say, she's not hating it. She's not hating the way Mm-mm. he's doing it. And I think that pisses him off even more. Because like Ali said, he wants her, but he doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. And he also likes the fear. He mm-hmm. likes them to be scared. And, and she's not scared right now. Then they end up at a bonfire and they get drunk on fairy wine and they play a card game when he has no knowledge of. But what she does have an expertise in is teasing the redheaded boy whose lap she's sitting on. But this is not the news that Pam wants to hear when he wakes up. So without hesitation, he promptly beelines it to the bonfire with Vane, who has come to tell him that Winnie is sitting on another boy's lap. Little tattletale. Little tattletale. Vane and Pan come down to the bonfire, and Pan throws Winnie off this redheaded boy's lap. And he immediately apologizes to the boy once he realizes what's happening. But Pan really doesn't give a fuck, because he leans over the boy and punches right through his chest to pull his heart out. And needless to say, the party is over. I think that this is a once upon a time fanfic in its oh, own yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because 
Regina, if you've ever watched Once Upon a Time, she is able to do that. That's the magic that she possesses, the evil queen. She's able to rip out hearts and then crush them. But there's also a Captain Hook in Once Upon a Time who's very sexy. And I think Peter Pan is fashioned after this Captain Hook from Once Upon a Time. So when I see Peter I Pan, see I see the Captain Hook from Once Upon a Time. Mm. So that's why I can get past the not sexy Captain Hook in this book. Because mm. I feel like Peter is supposed to take his place. I'm still longing for a sexy. We can find And someone. I am upset that I'm not going to get it. I we can just get you. Walt a costume. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Confession. Since we talked about it, I bought Michael an Aladdin outfit. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I did. Wait, when? I bought him some like harems or style pants or whatever you call oh, them. Yeah, the like big, big ones. And I couldn't find Oh, and he's th- got long hair. Yeah. And I bought him a white linen shirt to go with it because they didn't have purple she put on the aladdin soundtrack and they went to town oh my god did you have a magic carpet ride they went on a ride he had a magic carpet ride (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and it didn't match the drapes because i was blonde (laughs) 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 but anyways we were talking about ripped out hearts yes i didn't see the little poor little lost boy i did not like this part it was I too just felt, violent or no, I don't mind violence. Y'all know I'm I like it dark. Yeah. But I felt like it was unnecessary and not fair to that little lost boy. It was I think warranted. he could have just like, punched him and been like knocked him out. Mine. And then yeah. I'd been like, oh sexy. But this one I was like, Ugh. I can see. I can definitely see that. This is actually where the real fun begins, and thank God, because I'm dying for it to happen. Pan loses a little bit of his control over the situation, and they take Winnie back into the treehouse, into her room, and it's the foursome here. Pan, Mm -hmm. Cass, Bash, and Winnie. And he promptly pushes Winnie over and yanks her panties aside, and in one deep thrust, he buries himself within her. It doesn't last long, and how could he with all this built-up frustration? Yeah, he's um, like, if you want to fuck the Lost Boys, start at the top. I love that line. You and underlined he's it. Not even, <laughs> he's not even going to last. <laughs> she underlined it with the red pen. She must have ran out of yellow. Listen, <laughs> I know the important parts of the book. Those are the academically important parts of the book right there. Pan, of course, loses control, and he comes. He pulls out. And, of course, his cum is leaking out of Wendy. But then Bash says, can I? Come over here, brother. Mm-hmm. And this is where I got to learn a little bit because yeah. I looked up what this term would be called. And it is called Eiffel Towering, which is where Bash is he's, taking her from behind. He's taking mm-hmm. her from behind. And Cass is fucking her mouth. Her yeah, she's yeah. bent over. That's she's what makes over. it Eiffel Tower. Because they could high five. Yep, over her. Over her. I don't hate this. I just think, I think I would be uncomfortable in that position, personally. But she likes it because when Bash is knocking her from behind, he's knocking her into his brother. We have this Eiffel Towering going on. Peter Pan, again, is being a voyeur. He's sitting in a winged back chair, just watching them. And that's what she likes. Oh, that's what she likes more than mm. what's physically happening. Yes. She likes that Pan is watching. So, I guess she's an exhibitionist. Mm-hmm. And Must he, be. Yeah. Well, since we've gotten fucked from behind and in the mouth, we're going <laughs> to take a little break <laughs> and be right back. 
right, welcome back. So we just talked about Pan and Winnie and Cass and Bash and their voyeurism and ex- exhibitionism. exhibitionism, sorry. But now is where Vane walks in. And y'all, I have been waiting for this. But sadly, he doesn't participate, at least not in the way that I want him to. It's in this scene that Vane comes up to Winnie, tilts her chin down, opens her mouth, and proceeds to spit in her mouth and say, this is all you'll get from me. I don't like the spitting, Mm -mm. but I do like the this is all you're going to get from me part. But that I don't sexy. like the spitting. I, the yeah. spit grosses me out. Yeah, yeah I love a good challenge. Out. Like, this is all you're going to get from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> just you wait. Winnie is pissed, and the scene's over. We learn that tonight is the night where Tilly will come and do whatever it is that needs to be done to extract information from Winnie about Pan's missing shadow. And afterwards, Winnie goes off to find Vane. She wants some more information. And she finds him reading a book, which is not a, none other than, I believe, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And decides, hey, this might as well be a good time to seduce him. Mm-hmm. He's alone. Mm-hmm. Let me fuck another lost boy. But she fails at first because this man is a fucking wall of ice. She's on top of him. And she he's is soft. literally on top of him and nothing is happening. She gives it all she's got. And she promptly takes off her shirt to free the girls, which it does seem that Vane is a boob man because... We get a little bit of a chub. Oh, yeah. He's hard now. He he gets a little hard. There's a, some tension, some back and forth. But before anything truly exciting can happen, he pushes her to the floor and leaves. And that frustrated me because I didn't like... I'm okay with some degradation every now and then, but I didn't like that he pushed her to the floor. No. Did not like that I don't like. I don't like physical. I don't like that. No. So she's alone and she's horny and frustrated, but not for long because Pan lingers in and lets her in on a little secret, which is something that she found out a little bit while ago with Cass and Bash, which is that a darling has stolen his shadow and he needs to get inside her mind to see what are called blood memories that can be passed down within generations. And so he's trying to find out where the shadow might be hidden because it was stolen by a darling, which we find out is her great aunt. It's her grandmother's sister. Or her great grandmother's sister. Her great grandmother's yeah, sister, Wendy. Yeah. So that night, after a quick trip to a spring, they end up meeting the fake queen, Tilly, who is the younger sister of Cass and Bash. But something is off, and Winnie can feel it from the start. Well, yeah. even the brothers, there was a section in the book where they were starting to wonder, mm-hmm. is Tilly up to something? Yeah, right. when they were in the hammock. Yeah, they yeah. were like, something's going on. But I think this also speaks to Winnie's character because she knows something's on. She knows how to read people because right. she's had she, so much trauma in she's her life. She's got Yeah. But she still has determined, because she determined when they were at the spring, okay, I'm going to help him. I'm going to do this. No matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. And she does ask them, please don't make me. Like, mm-hmm. that's her one thing. She just doesn't want to. She doesn't want to end up like her mom. Like her mom, yeah. And they had promised Mary, or Mary, Meredith. her mother, that she would not go crazy. And she ended up going crazy. Yeah. Tilly lurches into Winnie's brain, causing waves of pain and agony to surge through her. And each of the boys actually have to hold themselves back from reaching out and wanting to take this pain away. And I think we get the sense that this is the first time that they've ever felt like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, I don't like this anymore. Not that they really liked it to begin with, but I think this is the first time where they felt protective over someone. Like, maybe a little bit with Mary, but really with mm-hmm. winning. There's a moment where we're in Bash's head, and he is saying that he's about to just 
pick Winnie out of the chair. He can't take it anymore. And before he can even step forward to do it, Vane swoops in and rescues Winnie. He says he can no longer let this happen. And he picks her up, cradles her against his chest, and rushes out the room and ends up in his own bedroom before any of the other lost boys or Pan or Tilly or anyone can get to him. And he tucks her safely away in his bed to sleep. So while Winnie's sleeping, she's been, Tilly has been in her head, but Tilly didn't get to do everything she wanted to do in, in Winnie's head. I see it as like she opened a can of worms, but mm-hmm. didn't take everything out. She has a vision or maybe a memory of what she believes is a relative of Tilly and another woman as they hide something away in her great-grandmother's trunk. But just then, before the memory ends, she sees a child peeking out from a closet. And before she can register what is happening, the fairy woman ends up killing the other woman Mm. in the room. And it's all witnessed by this young girl. Now, we end up finding out that this young girl in the closet is Winnie's great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Okay. The sister of, of Wendy. Wendy, mm-hmm. who was killed. So, it's then Winnie wakes up, and she realizes what she's seen, and she urges Vane to take her to Pan, and she reveals that she believes that the shadow is in her great-grandmother's trunk. So, they're on their way to go get Peter. They get him from his tomb. They wake him up. Because this is important. Winnie's like, who had the skin and the wings? It looked like Tilly. And Vane's like, we think it was Tinkerbell. It sounds Mm. like who you're talking about is Tinkerbell. And then he's like, well, what happened? Peter says, I killed her because she killed Wendy. Mm -hmm. So at this point, his whole entire crew is like, yep, we're going. Pan, Vane, Cass, Bash, and Winnie. They end up going to the cliffs to... Jump off because there's a thing with you no know, wings anymore yeah, and, like and whatnot. Time or portal travel. Portal travel. They end up jumping off the cliff and she ends up coming out of Emerald Pond, which is right down by her house. And they end up running to her house and she's calling out for her mother. They end up finding her mom in the living room with the chest and surrounded by the brownies. So we found out that the brownies have always known where Pan's shadow was and that the twins' sister, Tilly, has been up to no good, just as they suspected. And we find out that this has all been a plot to get Pan back for killing Tink, who is Tilly's mom. Mm -hmm. Because Tink was in love with Pan, Pan, but Pan was in love with the darling. We have a little battle scene, which I will say was not... Yeah, what I was hoping it, it was would be. basically swish swish dead. dead. Yeah, They're all like dead. The brownies just de- dead. It just felt died. really very anticlimactic, but, yes. and also just really weird. If the brownies knew where the shadow was the whole time, why wouldn't you just take it? Why didn't they go get it and just take it to the Fey realm? Mm-hmm. Just like odd, like there things some, that don't really make sense. There's a few plot holes in this. Yeah, I'll have to admit. But the brownies all die at the hands of Pan and the boys. And in the very last chapter, Winnie decides after the brownies have been buried and she finds the hidden box in the chest that has the shadow in it, she decides she doesn't want to just give this box to Pan. She wants to use it as collateral. And she says, I want to go back with you. And Pan agrees. She ends up asking her mom if she wants to come too. But Mary is done with this world. There's kind of like a veil that's lifted off of Mary mm-hmm. with all this that's happened. And she's like, no, I just want to live a quiet life here. And Winnie and the boys return to Neverland. And they open the box. The big twist at the end is there's not only one shadow, but two shadows. Two shadows out. fly out. 
Mm-hmm. One being Pans and the other being a mystery shadow. Oh, but you know who it is because you've read book two. I read book two. Mm. I don't know who the shadow is supposed to belong to. I know who gets it. Mm. Oh. Oh, wait. So can we transfer like shadows? Hook. Smirk <gasps> <laughs> uh, <laughs> over there. I'm not saying anything. You do have a good poker face, I will say. I was going to say, you do make me want to read book two. So now that we've gone through the book, gone through the plot, talked about some of our spicy scenes. On our vibration scale, we have a one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. One being, wasn't very spicy. It had a little bit of smut. Three being, oh yeah, you hit the mega You jackpot. found the clip. Yeah. And they hit it hard. Definitely not. Two being like, you, you, Two being like, you got yeah. it, but yeah, there was I had good to help smut. you. Yeah. This is a very low two for me. I would agree with that. A low two. A low mm-hmm. two. Like, it's it's more than a one, but I don't even say it's a 2.5 for me. There's some buildup, but there's not as much as I would have wanted. So, we're, we're like at a... <sighs> yep, 100%. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like, it feels good. You like it. Mm-hmm. It does the trick. I was going to say, sometimes it's hard for me to separate the smutty scale from did I like the book or not. And, like, right. for me, this book was a miss for me. Quick question. Did you learn any valuable lessons from this book? <sighs> if you get kidnapped by magical people, be as horny as possible. <laughs> yeah. Don't freak out. All right. So would you live on Neverland? Mm-hmm. I would visit there. I would like visit. it's a Disney vacation. I think I'd be bored out of my freaking mind there. Go have a lot of sex. Get it out of your system like once a year. Yeah. And then come I back. think the Lost Boys would get on my nerves. I think the bugs would be a no for me. There's got to be a lot of bugs. It's got to yeah. be tropical. It seems like it would have weird spiders and shit. <laughs> so out of our inner circle of Lost Boys, who would you fuck first? We know mm. my answer is Vane. I would fuck Vane. I would make him fuck me. Yeah. Like, I just don't like, like being even told Even if it's no. like a hate fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was, you were I'd be me. intrigued enough because he's got the scar by Vane. Uh-huh. But I think Bash is who I would want to do. You want to have Yeah, I think. Because he's still fun. And we'd have a good time. Yeah, he would be a good time. I think if I would be like, no, you have to fuck me, Bane. And, yeah. and you can't give me a panic attack because I'm on Xanax. So <laughs> try to get past that. Do we have any closing thoughts? I have no closing thoughts. Yeah. Other than I disagree vehemently with Allie about Aladdin. And that is all <laughs> I will say. Are we all the way back to that? We're back to that. I'm well, still actually will never get over it. I will no. never. I mean, she bought Michael pants. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley and I started our relationship as enemies. And so we may be back to enemies. Just because of enemies Aladdin. to friends, to lovers, <laughs> to enemies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ashley's like, not my type. Sorry. But thank you. So next week, we're going to be thinking about what are our kinks that we have. Ooh, because next I'm week, we're so going to be doing the book Praise by Sarah Kate, which is book number one in the Salacious Players Club. Mm-hmm. And Hannah will be leading. No. 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 Ashley and will be Ashley leading will be that, leading shit, that conversation. Hannah is very excited. Hannah for is <laughs> very into, the, into praise. Yes. She is. So we'll let you think about what maybe her kink is. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for now. Thank you for listening to this novella episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. This show was produced by Allie, Hannah, and myself. 
You, you can learn more about Nikki St. Crow from the links in the show notes, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. We also have a website, theradydaysmutbrigade.com. If you visit there, you can learn more about us and buy some Smut Brigade merch. You can email us with any questions at theradydaysmutbrigade at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions you might have for books or anything you'd like to add, we'd appreciate it. So we're going to fly away now. Do you believe in fairies? Fuck Jasmine Dean.